a biblical response to scrupulosity on this edition of Truth and Love. Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. I'm joined again by Brent Osterberg. He has served as a pastor at Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas since 2015. He received his bachelor's degree from Sam Houston State University, an MDiv from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and a DMIN in expository preaching from the Master's Seminary. He's been ACBC certified counselor since 2009, and he serves with the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship there in the Fort Worth area. It's a training center of us at ACBC. He's been married to Carrie for 20 years, and they have three children. Brent, looking forward to our discussion today. The things we talked about last week, I think, were really critical. We introduced the topic of scrupulosity. We talked about how to identify some of these patterns, sinful patterns within a person. You shared a little bit about your story as well. We identified even some of the the things that we treasure, the heart idols we would describe them as, that are tendencies of folks who struggle with this obsessive and compulsive response. We've dissected that, I think, well, and you helped us to, to think through that. I want us today to, to focus on how we respond to that. So, so we're helping the counselor and the counselee to think through scrupulosity in a very particular way. So, brother, welcome back. I'm looking forward to our discussion as we get practical in our response here. I'm glad to be a part of this conversation. Thanks for having me on again. In order to address some of the the practical help that's needed for counselors and counselees as well when it comes to scrupulous fear. One of the things that I'd first say is that when, whenever someone is choosing to relieve their obsessiveness with a compulsion, then there is a self-trust there. Not only is there a self-trust in the compulsion, but there's a self-trust in, in the ability for a person to assess their own heart. So it's kind of a, a double self-trust in that regard. But the, the person that struggles in this way, they they need to trust God's comprehensive knowledge and care of their lives. A wonderful text to take your counselees to who are really tormented by these obsessive, intrusive thoughts is to take them to Psalm 139, right? So Psalm 139, David's very clear about God's knowledge of him. You search out my path and my lying down, verse three, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So he knows us through and through. We don't, he does. But listen to this comprehensive care that he starts to move into in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And so there's this sense in which he's got our back and he's got our front. Even if you're uncertain of whether or not you've sinned in a certain way, God is taking care of you as his child. He lays his hand upon you. It's it's an expression of reassurance from God. And so we need to turn to him, trusting him to be that one that we need. Now, one of the, the prayers that I've often prayed to the Lord, seeking to trust him in moments of scrupulous fear, is uh, to pray along with Jehoshaphat from 2 Chronicles 20, 12, where he says, Oh, our God, we will you not execute judgment on them, the enemies that are facing him? says, for we are all powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I pray that often. I don't know what to do right now, God, but my eyes are on you. And the the very act of looking to him instead of looking within yourself is 
an act of faith. And so the person that is turning from self to the Lord's comprehensive care will find much hope. And also we've got to trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. There's this desire for perfection or or our version of perfection in um, religious OCD or scrupulosity, but we need to turn to Jesus Christ who actually was perfect for us. And his perfect sacrifice on the cross is what we stand in and what he achieved for us there. And so I'm thinking of Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for a single time, I was right, for, had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And so we trust him to be the one who perfects us, not ourselves. I would also say, too, there's there's several things we could get at here, Dale, but the person who's choosing to ritualistically or ceremonially confess sin, it's just an act. It's a mindless act that they choose as a compulsion to deal with their obsessiveness. And so it's just repeating prayers of confession, memorized prayers, not really thinking about them. And so there has been, by Michael Emlett and others, a call to relate to God. Forsake ritualism and actual relating to God. Our brother Heath Lambert has a wonderful chapter in his book, Finally Free, and fighting lust with a dynamic relationship to Jesus. I think that's the best chapter in the whole entire book because it could be applied to any sin you're dealing with, relating to God instead of just operating in this formulaic kind of way that doesn't have any sense of hope added to it. And so if you were to read the Psalms, like, Reading Psalm 119, some of the stanzas there, you would see the psalmist relate to God. He praises God. He makes requests of God. He tells God of the righteous choices he's made for him, etc. It's not just this one-sided kind of repetition or recitation of things. It is a true relationship. And there is, is definite relief, real relief in that for the, the person who's struggling in these ways. Now, as you were describing that, I'm just thinking, you know, that that ritualistic type of confession and repentance, it's hard for us to say, you know, we don't want to encourage people to confess and repent, that that's very biblical. But that type of ritualistic approach is is very me-centered. It's focused on me accomplishing some sort of work to calm the, the fears in my own heart versus focusing on the God of repentance, the God of forgiveness, the God of grace. That, that's a distinction in, in how we think about it. Now, scrupulosity, as you've alluded to already, is, is quite a hopeless state. It, it, you, you feel just very bound in these obsessions, these compulsions, and wanting to be clean, but feeling often very, very unclean and, and downcast. And that, that hopelessness is, uh, is very real and controlling in so many ways. And so many attempts, as you've described already this week and last week, at attempts to provide hope in some way, and often driven by motives that uh, that are driven by the self, although they are religious in nature, driven by the self. I want you to talk a little bit about particular hopes that you give to those who feel trapped in this type of darkness, this type of sin pattern. Give us some of the, the angles that you go at to provide hope. I know you've just mentioned a couple of those and, and maybe a few more here. Absolutely. So 
I would offer them the hope of doing what is, well, I, I should say it like this, doing what feels wrong in the moment to their flesh. So when we're struggling with obsessiveness, what feels right is to um, engage in our compulsion, whatever that may be. If it's morbid introspective, what feels right is to sit there and stew and look inwardly, like um, Lloyd-Jones talks about a morbid introspection as dissecting your soul and laying it out there on the table to examine. That's what we're doing. That's what feels right. But we need to do the opposite. We need to do what, what, what might feel wrong to our flesh, which is turning from self to him actively. Not just in a, a prayer, even even though a prayer is absolutely necessary. But I find, um, Dale, that I can use prayer as a way to continue in my morbid introspection. I think I'm I'm doing something holy, but it's just repeating the same prayers over and over and over again. And I'm I'm still thinking, I'm still dissecting my soul in that way. I haven't really turned in faith to the Lord with those prayers. So sometimes I've got to be very clear with a, a confession, yes, a request, but then do the next thing that God would have me do. And that might be going in the other room and playing with my kids, right? So that I'm trusting him with that fear. And so he wants me to be others minded. He wants me to serve others like Christ served me. And so I'm going to go wash the dishes for my wife. I'm going to go in the other room. And I, you know what? I'm not even going to pray about my problem anymore. I'm going to start praying for other people. And, or I'm going to sit there and I'm going to praise God, not make a request, but praise him for who he is. And that's all I'm going to do. And, and that's an act of turning. It's an act of faith that is showing itself in things that might feel wrong in the moment. But that's not trusting what our heart is feeling, but trusting what God has revealed. And that's what we do as biblical counselors. I remember my my son, um, Justin, when I was teaching him to ride his bike, what felt right to him whenever he started to feel his bike tip was to put his feet off of the pedals and try to balance himself on the ground. I said, no, when you feel like you're tipping a little bit, what you actually need to do is the opposite, which is to keep pedaling, right? And then he, when he got that, he learned how to ride his bike. And that's similar to what we're talking about here today when it comes to turning actively to God. And that, uh, that's something that John Piper really hit on in a podcast of his when he says the only reason we need to look inward, speaking of introspection, is to know better what to look to Christ for. We look to Christ we, we look in so we can look to Christ, and then we act on who he is, what he's called us to, and the realities that uh, he has given us, the promises that are his in, in his love. And so that's hope-giving. I would also say that one of the things that has been very helpful for me is to find uh, people in your life, whether it's your counselor or it's your pastor or it's, or it's a, just a, a more mature brother or sister in the church, people who aren't struggling the same way as you are. And they're godly, they speak the truth and love to you, and they're reasonable. Because our fears are often unreasonable. We we tend to, like I said, we think because we had the thought or we had the desire that we must be guilty of the sin. And so it's been very helpful for me to talk to my wife and talk to my, my fellow pastor here at my church and run things by him and say, this is the way I'm feeling. Tell me, how do you read that? You know, as somebody who's godly and reasonable, I found that to be tremendously hope-giving because uh, in my unreasonableness, in my head, I'm, I'm choosing to believe things that just, they, they really don't make sense. And it's helpful to have somebody else say, no, you shouldn't be thinking that. 
here, this, uh, think this as well, or instead, I should say. So that's hope giving. And then I would just say this, immerse yourself in all of scripture. We got into this a little bit last week, not just the the, the imperatives, not just the, the holiness and the justice of God, um, not just the portions of scripture that, that are going to be provoking us to see our sins or even potential sins, but turn to the promises, turn to the indicatives, turn to all of the attributes of God. We have to relate to God based on all that he's revealed, not just these, these texts that, that tend to lead us into this obsessive fear whenever we're reading it in a fleshly manner. And so, so those are some of the things that might help our, our listeners here today. That's really helpful, Brent. I, I want to close out as we talk about this particular topic. We, we've worked through identifying some of the key characteristics. This week, we've been working through a, a biblical response and, and some of the treasures in Scripture that we need to swim in when we're tempted in these particular ways. And, it, you know, even as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the evil one is, is so good in his allurement and his enticement of us. Sometimes it's not these massive cliffs of sin that we want to jump off into. Sometimes he entices us by good things, religious types of things, that we think manufacture some way that we become holy ourselves. And man, his enticement is so good, and uh, we have a tendency to fall for it. But you're anchoring us in, in these hopeful truths that the Lord has given based on his character and based on his gospel that are treasures for us. I, I love the wisdom that you were giving about Find somebody godly and reasonable who can help speak truth of the scriptures into you in a moment where you you feel unreasonable at that moment. That's really, really helpful. Let's close out with some resources. I'll start because I want to introduce our listeners, as I mentioned uh, at the end of our time last week. You've written a booklet on this with ACBC, Our Truth and Love Resources, as a part of our Biblical Solutions series. It's entitled Scrupulosity, and you can find that on our website, biblicalcounseling.com. I think that's a really, really helpful resource to, to sort of work you full circle through the things that we've talked about last week and this week. I want to turn it over to you on some of the helpful resources, the things that you found maybe most helpful that are out there in literature that, that might be helpful to some others. Keith mentioned uh, last year in his podcast that there's a little booklet by Michael Emlett on OCD, which is very, very helpful. Uh, but he's also got a couple of lectures I would point you to. You can go find those um, on CCEF's website. There's two different lectures he's done at two different conferences on this in particular. Very, very helpful stuff. One book um, that I would recommend, there's not a whole lot written from a biblical counseling perspective on this, but this has to deal with um, introspection in particular. It's a book called Think Again. Relief from the Burden of Introspection. It's by Jared Mellinger. So there's there's a fantastic book written by Jared Mellinger called Think Again, Relief from the Burden of Introspection. That book, I, I've read through it, I think a couple of times now, and it is, it is gold indeed. And so I recommend that highly. I think New Growth Press put that out. There's not a whole lot written on this from a biblical counseling perspective, but that definitely is biblical and gospel-centered. You can go to bcbcd.org. It's the, the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, uh, which is here in DFW. And we've done at least one podcast on this. And there's four different lectures that Keith Palmer, Keith Palmer and I did at our uh, local conferences on different issues related to scrupulosity that you can find there and also some articles on it as well. Finally, there's a message from David Powison on introspection called In the Last Analysis that you can find online as well. Those are all going to be very helpful resources. 
This is great, brother. Really, really helpful in the ways in which you help us identify appropriately, see the beauty of Scripture in helping us to deal with these types of issues, and then alerting us to some of the other resources that are out there. We will have some of this available in our show notes for the podcast. Some of the things that, that Brent mentioned that uh, you'll want to have easy click clickable access to. And so we'll, we'll put those things available in the show notes. Those are resources you definitely want to chase down. Brother, this has been great. Very, very helpful. Thanks for taking time out for us and for our listeners. And we really enjoyed the conversation the last couple of weeks. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, talking with Brent today, I am reminded, since he lives down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, of something that's coming to that area from ACBC. Our annual conference will be in Fort Worth, Texas next year at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, October 7th through the 9th. But we have a very special event that's going on in conjunction with that. We're doing a pre-conference in Spanish. So if you've not heard we were able to begin a Spanish-speaking certification process. And along with that, we want to begin to minister to those who speak Spanish. And so this year, we're doing a pre-conference on the topic of care of souls in the church, where it will be Spanish speakers specifically on October 7th at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There'll be five plenary sessions in Spanish. We hope to minister well to those who speak Spanish and see biblical counseling grow among our brothers and sisters there. So you can find out more about that particular event and other events at biblicalcounseling.com. Mm-hmm.